Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So let me do a quick quiz here. When you buy something, whether it's an appliance, probably a car, anything really, they pretty much come with those things called instruction manuals. Now, who are the people, you've got to be honest, because you're a Christian. I was going to say because you're in church. No, because you're a Christian. You've got to be honest, okay? Church shouldn't increase your honesty levels. If it is, there's something not quite right. There's a freebie for you right there. But those instruction manuals, who ignores them and pretty much never reads them? Yeah, okay. There are, there are a few not surprises there. Some others will go, okay, fair enough. Who, like, absolutely, it's there. There must be a reason for it. I must read it to find out all there is to know about this thing. Who's that? There we go. Oh, actually, it's about half and half. So there you go. So I'm the absolute read the instructions guy. Even if I think I know it all, I pretty much will still do that. There was a research company um, in the USA, and they actually found out there are seven reasons why people don't read instruction manuals. Yes, there's actually that many. You can just say, well, that's just the way I am. And that's quite often a cop-out, isn't it? Well, that's just the way I am. But what's behind the just the way you are? So when it comes to the hesitancy or the resistance to uh, reading instruction manuals, there's actually seven key reasons as to why people typically don't read them. And maybe it's more than mine for some people, but it's more than likely going to be one of these seven. So have a look at the screen and uh, you will see them up there. It's quite amazing when, uh, when you think about that. So the first one is, I don't have the time, I'm too busy. It's going to take up time, so why bother? Let's just get on with it. Uh, second one, it's perhaps some laziness. Can't be bothered. It's going to take too much effort. Don't want you to want to know about it. Uh, the third one is great. I already know everything there is to know about this product. What would they know? They just made it. It's mine now. I'm the recipient of this. I know everything there is to know about it. Maybe a little bit self-doubting and you think, well, look, they're probably going to be really confusing. Like, what does that little icon mean? And when it says this into that, I, I don't really understand that kind of stuff. It's just not me. I'm not wired that way. Or maybe it's the reverse of that. Well, look, I should be able to figure it out for myself. Bit of pride perhaps coming in there. I don't need any help. Uh, that can easily happen. Um, or maybe it's just like, you, you want to outsource this. I want someone else to help me. I want someone else to do it for me, perhaps. And then, again, look, just maybe those instructions aren't going to be clear enough or I'm not going to be able to follow them. Uh, so different assumptions on there. So just some of the reasons in which why we might not be open to listening or reading instructions. So in that light then, that's my title message for today. Read instructions first. Read instructions first. Now, if you're not aware... That is a coffee machine kind of set up there. So um, who loves coffee? Who loves, this is a trick question now, who loves good coffee? Oh, there we go, more hands for that one. That was interesting. Okay, great. All right. Uh, who doesn't care at all? I know one of them doesn't because someone doesn't drink coffee at all. But if you do drink coffee, you're kind of like, yeah, don't really mind either way. Who's those people? You're just easy, easy to go. You're easy to please. We love people like you. Easy to please. That's great. None of these picky people. Any baristas in the house that we've got? Uh, no? Okay. That's cool. I'm actually one. I did a course a while ago. Got a certificate to prove it and everything. Doesn't actually mean that I make good coffee just because I did the course. Uh, but hopefully 
uh, that is the case that I actually do do that. But, you know, if you're so-so about the coffee that you drink, then maybe you don't know what you're missing. If it's a good coffee, it's a bad coffee, you don't really know. But what I can say is that if the instructions, and I'm, I'm speaking really about doing barista coffee like this with an espresso machine and stuff like that, if you're doing instant coffee, well, basically it's water hot, coffee grounds, water, and away you go kind of thing. Although there is a tip, if you're doing uh, milk-based instant coffee, if you must, put the milk in first, dissolve the coffee, then put the hot water in. It'll reduce the scalding of the instant coffee beans. So there you go, tip number one for you. The stuff you learn at church, hey? It's amazing. But if you follow the instructions, you can actually have really good coffee. In fact, you can have excellent coffee if you do all of those things. Now, did you know, in actual fact, in the barista circles, to make good coffee, you need to adhere to what's referred to as the recipe. I think that's an interesting terminology. You might not have heard it spoken about that often. But when you think about it, well, why wouldn't there be a recipe? Because if you're going to be cooking things like a cake or scones, there is a recipe. Someone came up with a recipe at some point in time. Now, maybe you are so experienced in all of this now that you don't need to follow the recipe, but I dare say you actually do follow the recipe because you've worked out the quantities of the different ingredients to use. You've worked out the actual process in making that thing. If cooking was involved, you've determined and, and worked out the temperature that is required and the duration of that thing that is actually required. So whether you strictly adhere to the finer details of the recipe, you still are actually following the recipe. And so with barista making, particularly with espresso coffee, there is a recipe that ought to be adhered to. Follow it to the letter and you get great coffee. If you don't, then you don't. So there are so many variables in there for you. So I want to go through a couple of those just to help illustrate uh, my point this morning. But one of the things is that uh, you need a grinder. Um, the camera hopefully will be able to show some of this stuff here. I'll move over to the predetermined position that uh, I said I was going to be in today. So there's a coffee grinder here. Um, it's not uh, one of those ones that you use for grinding up nuts and herbs. If you're trying to do that with your coffee, tip number one, you won't get good coffee. You actually do need an espresso grinder. So we've got a grinder here. That's absolutely necessary. You also need an espresso machine similar to this. Now, this is a, a mid-range consumer product, so you can get cheaper ones and you can certainly get more expensive ones. This is just kind of like middle of the road, but you need one of these types of devices as well. So those are the basic ingredients as to what you need to do to make great coffee. And of course, uh, then you need the coffee as well. So when it comes to the coffee, you need beans, uh, that will be understandable, and ideally fresh beans. Um, when beans are actually made, it's called the roasting date, and you want those to be relatively recently roasted. Um, if you're getting them from somewhere where it says use by the year 2030, then maybe they're not going to be too fresh, particularly as you get closer to the year 2030. Um, so fresh beans is obviously uh, the way to go. But I mentioned about the recipe, and so there's a set amount of coffee that, coffee that you're actually meant to use. Uh, there is a temperature that is meant to be set on the espresso machine that is on there. You're actually meant to weigh the number of beans before you actually make the coffee, and then grind it accordingly. And then to make sure that all those things are set up, when you actually get the espresso at the other end, you're also meant to weigh that so that you know that you have the right ratio called the brew ratio, so that when you get the coffee in, you get the certain amount of coffee out. 
If those numbers don't add up, then you're not actually doing it the way that it's designed to actually do. And if you're buying your beans from a good roastery, they'll tell you all that information. They'll tell you how many grams in, how many grams out, the temperature and the duration that you should be doing for the shot. So I'm going to do a demo on a really bad coffee. How's that sound? Are you tempted? You might not be. Look, I'm going to do a couple of things that one ought to do. So there's a bit of condensation here in the, um, in the filter there, so I'm going to make sure that's okay. And here's my coffee grinder. So I've got beans in there. That's all good, ready to roll. Adjust the grinding to mm, what do I feel like today. I think I'm going to go for number 20. 20 is a great number, isn't it? Sounds powerful. Let's go for number 20. Ah, uh, some of that didn't work out too well. Let me keep on going. Looking nice. I'll do the professional barista thing. Tap, tap, tap. A little bit more. Looks good enough. Pop that there. This is called a tamper. You, you compress the coffee. Just shove it in there. Great. Done. And whack it in here. And this is still warming up a little bit, so... That's fine, I'm gonna pop a glass under there. So it's pretty straightforward. Grind the coffee, stick it in there, and let's press the go button and see what happens. Making noises. Noises probably are good. There it comes. Oh, look at that. It's almost instant coffee, isn't it? It's coming up really nice and fast. That's great, admire your work. That's fantastic. Colour coffee, very good. How much do you think I should do? Depends how thirsty you are, I suppose, really, doesn't it? So I wanted a large coffee, so, you know, that looks pretty good. Don't want to fill it over much. There we go. Okay. Some of you are mocking my coffee-making skills here. Seriously. There we go. Smell it. I'm being dead, dead here. It smells like coffee. Um... But it doesn't really look like coffee, does it? It looks like ditch water. Not very good. But if you're really desperate, who's really desperate and you haven't had any coffee for like a week? If anyone wants to, we have elders in the church who will pray for you afterwards to bring you back to life. No, no one's brave? You kind of got the idea that um, that's not really the right way to go about it. So I didn't really weigh the beans near enough, was good enough. Uh, the course, the grinding, the number sounded like it was great, but it probably wasn't the best number to be using. Um, I did do the tamping, but perhaps not as well as I ought to have. And uh, the length of time that I ran that shot, the extraction, probably a little bit on the too long side. The result is you get a weak coffee, it lacks power, and it doesn't de uh, deliver the intended hit. Sound like God and ministry things? Weak, liking power, doesn't hit the mark. And all that's required is to make sure that we do follow the instructions of the maker and then we'll actually get good coffee. So let me now make a good coffee shot, hopefully. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if the camera's going to see this. That is just... This is the first and last time you'll ever see me do a coffee shot like this, just saying. Okay, so get rid of that. And we do want to wipe out the grounds on here. 
because extra condensation actually does affect the coffee itself. Now, obviously, I need to adjust the grind here to a more suitable setting. And I've got a set of scales here. So what I do is I pre-weigh the portafilter handle. I'm, it's called tearing, so I know how much this weighs without the coffee. And then as I'm grinding, I'm going to be able to check that I'm hitting my mark of 18 grams following in the recipe. you're into coffee like I am, you get quite excited when you sing fluffy grounds. Okay, do a little check here. 16 grams, not bad. A bit more. 18, there we go. And tamp that. I could do this better with two hands, but then you wouldn't hear me, so... That's going to be a much better shot. Now, I had to adjust the grinder to do the really bad shot, and it needs to be adjusted to do the really good shot. So just like on any good cooking show, you know what they normally say? What I did previously, before we prepared something previously. So this is actually good grinds in here that I ground earlier. They were weighed specifically to 18.00 grams. It's the correct weight, and it's the correct grind. Otherwise, it would take me quite a while to... Uh, dial in as it's referred to and I'm going to use the pre-programmed button on this machine which actually gives us the correct shot for the correct duration here we go and coming out a little bit slower the colour is richer which is very good and there we go not a lot but in actual fact, if I'm doing an espresso shot, which is what that is, that's how much you need typically, is a small amount of coffee. And you can see there's the little the light grey stuff, sorry, the light brown stuff on top. That's called the crema. So the creative team beforehand saw this happening and there were no end of volunteers. Strangely, no one still wants that first coffee. But I do believe someone did actually want the second one. And I hope you know all of our creative team and the tech guys, they get here super early every Sunday morning, so it's understandable that they might not have actually had a chance to uh, have this before. So, Amanda, would you mind doing the honours, our production manager in training? Could you whisk that over to Anna Ronson, please? Enjoy, Anna. If you see Anna bouncing around the walls ladder, then obviously it was a really good coffee. So if you follow the instructions, if you do everything you should do, and if you do things in the right order, then you do get the intended outcomes. Again, the example there of ministry. All right, so let me get into then throwing out some different points to you that we can really focus on as part of today's message of read instructions first. First point then, follow specific directions. Follow specific directions. And we're going to kick off with Joshua chapter 3. And I actually spoke on Joshua last week, so this really is a bit of a continuation of the journey of the Israelites. Uh, God had promised them to go into the promised land, and this is their journey they're about to go into the promised land. So last week's message was looking at the earlier chapters of Joshua, had a bit of a different focus, but we're continuing on uh, the story of Joshua and the Israelites. So picking it up in chapter 3 and verses 1 to 4. 
Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. A couple of key things there. Verse 3 said, when you see. So there is a a timing thing. There's a specific instruction here. When you see. Verse 4 says, then you will know. So you've got to wait. Then you will know which way to go. So the when and the, the actual direction comes. And, of course, God's clarifying, since you have not come this way before. So in many times, God will give us instructions. And he'll give them to us before something else happens or needs to actually happen. So they can be in advance. It can be to give us warnings. We may never have a full understanding at that moment in time as to why God's giving us those instructions, but we can trust him that he knows what he's doing. So follow the specific instructions. That's point number one. Let's go on to point number two. Get ready for your next steps really important to get ready and getting ready is actually a step a lot of us think well getting ready isn't the same as actually doing yes it is because if you don't get ready then you can't do in the first place so you do need to get ready joshua chapter 3 and verse 5 joshua told the people consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do amazing things among you so get ready when now Again, that's advance notice. Now, it's interesting that why would God actually say, get ready for tomorrow? He could have actually not bothered with the whole get ready thing. And when tomorrow comes, he could just say when they wake up, hey, guys, let's do it right now. Now, depending on what your situations are, maybe you won't get the advance notice. You won't get the get ready thing. Maybe it will just be a call to action and to go and do this right now. So I'm not saying that there always will be a get ready But if there isn't a get ready and it's a call to action immediately, then absolutely do that. But if there is a get ready, then embrace that. Make sure that you partake of that and don't get in God's way. If he tells you beforehand, fantastic. If he doesn't, then that's okay as well. Just make sure that you do trust him and that you take those steps in the right timing. If you don't, you might not have the same effect. It might even cause problems. And just to be thinking about some of those next steps, sometimes they're about either the next stage, that's not ready yet. It's like the roadworks, you know, you want to go onto that new road, but if the road isn't finished yet, then it's not yet ready. There is a bit of a waiting time. Maybe some of the next steps, maybe some of that preparation is just about your own heart and you're not quite there yet. Maybe it's about your mind, uh, maybe it's about your spirit. Who knows all the reasons why, God would be wanting us to get ready for things, but just make sure that we allow him to lead us in that. Okay, point three, timing. Everyone's favourite question, how long will this take? I absolutely remember travelling in the car with my parents as a child. The good old question, are we there yet? 
And uh, no, it wasn't actually before we even left the driveway. Um, I was so blessed to be travelling all over this uh, amazing country uh, in our good old trusty Holden Kingswood. And uh, we certainly would travel a long, long way. Basically, we spent all the school holidays driving all over the state and the country. So when it came to are we there yet, it was because we'd already been on the road for about seven hours. And there was like another four or five hours to come. Hence the are we there yet. So anyway... I know it's timing, and uh, we all want to know how long this will take, including the Israelites. So let's have a look at this. Joshua chapter 3, verses 6 to 7. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Interesting that God's saying, Today I will begin, but they haven't crossed the Jordan yet. Sometimes it can look like nothing is happening, even though something is happening. Or it might look like there's no great value about what's happening here. And even what God is directing the people to do, really, they're just going for a walk. It can be as simple and as basic as that. But we still need to make sure that we follow God in his timing. You know, God's not the two-minute imaginable God. As much as we might like him to do things in two minutes, just add hot water and away we go, that's often not how God operates. So we do need to follow God's timing and allow to be led by him. So therefore, in whatever we are embarking on, there will be a getting ready, as I've already spoken about. Then when we finally get to that place, there will be a beginning of whatever that is. There will be a middle of it. And quite often the middle can last a lot longer than we might like it to do because we are so focused on the ending, the completion of it. And then normally there will be an ending on that as well. Now I'm sure we can all relate in some way, for most of us anyway, about the whole beginning, the middle bit and the end bit in this example you're going to see on the screen. So thanks Hannah. And for those of you that know me, yes I couldn't resist. I had to put something aviation in there. But uh, there we go. The, the pictogram there is obviously meant to indicate the plane takes off. If you're, if you're going on a plane, it flies and it lands as well. Um, notice it's a, it's a globe. None of this flat earth stuff happening there. But let me ask you about this. <laughs> What's the most important part of the flight? Any takers? Take off? Yep. Landing? Middle bit perhaps? Yep. I mean, certainly, what are the most uh, dangerous parts of the takeoff? It's a, sorry, of, the, of a flight. It actually is the takeoff and the landing. Those are the most dangerous aspects, potentially, if anything has been done correctly. But as far as what's most important, all of them. You're not going to be on a flight if you didn't take off in the first place. I know this is a revelation for some of you. It's like, wow. Incredible. We had to take off first before we got to flight. Absolutely. And at some point, you're going to want to land, hopefully in what's referred to as a controlled landing. So all of those things are important. What about the order? Do you think we can mix them up a little bit, just go random, go a little bit crazy sometimes? How about if we took off and then just went straight to the landing again? Then actually you wouldn't take off, would you, if you thought about it? So all the stages are important and the order of those stages are important and the timing of all of those stages are also important important. So of course it doesn't happen all at once. I wish, um, you're probably like me, bring back the Concorde and some. 
it would be great if you took off, you flew, and you landed just like that. Probably not going to happen in our lifetimes. So therefore, timing will happen. We need to make sure that we allow God to do it, but allow him to do it in his way. Okay, it's gone to point number four. Faith for what is next. Again, let's have a look at Joshua, chapter 3, and verses 12 to 13. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Trust that your next step, the next instruction, is what's needed. And you're probably going to need some faith to do that. Now, can you imagine the priests being told by Joshua, go down to this river, which is a raging river at the time of the year that they were in. It was absolutely full on. And Joshua's saying, look, guys, just want you to go down there and I'm going to get you to stand in the river. And that was the only instruction that they had for what was next. Now, I would have been wanting the next and the next and the next and the next. It's like, so after we drown Joshua, then what do we do? But at that point... They had, a they had a choice to respond, and they chose to respond with obedience to God through the servant Joshua, but they responded also with faith. They said, okay, if that's what you need us to do, if that's what God is leading us to do, then we will actually do that. So we need to make sure that we've got faith for what is next. And if we haven't got that faith yet, then ask God for the faith for the next step. And here, this might shock some of you. Do you know if you haven't got faith for something yet? God already knows that. It's not a surprise to him, and he's not necessarily upset with you. But he does want you to get the faith so that you can move into what is next. Okay, that's point four. Let's go on to point number five. The order of things is important. Just like I said with the plane, got to take off before you can fly and before you can land. The order of things is important. Let's look now at Joshua chapter 4. And verses 1 to 3. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. Sometimes those next steps, those instructions or directions, they won't come until the prior thing has been done. So back in the previous chapter, the priest got the instruction. I need you to go down and stand in the river. Now at that point in time, they obeyed, they obeyed with faith and they said, okay, we're going to do that. Now we get to see in chapter 4, whilst they were standing in the, the water that was going to actually get stopped of its flowing, then a whole bunch of other, you know, Team B was, was time to come on board and do what they needed to do, which was pick up these different stones. But notice at this point in the chapter, they've been giving the instruction, but not the why. I wonder how many times we're just desperately knocking on God's door, going, okay, God, I've heard what you want me to do, but why? And uh, it can be incredibly frustrating if you don't get the why. But I do know what is important is the actual order in which you do things. Now, those time delays between each of those different steps, it can take a long time. Sometimes it can take a very short period of time. But the most important thing is that we just adhere to the right things in the right order. 
And I, let me give you an example on how quickly that can be sometimes. Um, I mentioned last week, and you may have heard me speak before, that so I had the privilege of uh, doing a mission trip a few years ago to Peru. Um, and part of that was ministering to people that had been through a whole bunch of different abuse. But it, it all started with my initial saying yes to the challenge of, okay, God, I, I've heard about this ministry. Um, it sounds like something that I'd like to be a part of, but I'm not sure if you want me to be a part of it, Lord. So I stuck my hand up and I reached out to the organisers um, of this mission trip, One Nation, One Day, by the way, is who I'm referring to. And I said to them, look, this is really interesting. It's really captivated my heart. Um, tell me more. I think I might like to be involved if you would like me to be involved. And so when they found out a bit of my backstory and some of the stuff that I've been involved in over several years, they said, absolutely, uh, we would love you to be a part of it. So that was great. So I said, fine, that'll be my next step. And then I got, they got back in contact with me and they said, look, we're organising a special team to be able to minister to people specifically um, who have been abused. We're doing all the stuff that we normally do, but because of the levels of abuse in Peru, we're putting together this special ministry. Would you like to be a part of that team? So I said, yes, that was my next step, my next yes. Then they said, well, look, um, we're going to be doing that. Would you be open to leading that particular team for the whole week? And I said, yes, I'm happy to do that. That was my next step. Then they said, well, look, we'd like to run a conference at the end of the week, specifically dealing with these issues. Uh, would you like to be able to speak at that conference? And I said, absolutely, I'm happy to do that. I said, fantastic. Um, would you like to actually create all the content for that? and do all the workshops to that? I said, absolutely. They said, well, it's mostly ministering to women. And so there's a women's conference the night before of about 3,000 women. Would you be able to go there and promote that? And so I said, yes. As it turns out, there were 3,000 women and two men at that conference. Uh, I was one of them. Um, and the, the pastor who was speaking, it was her husband uh, who was the other guy there. And he was my, my chauffeur for the time there. So um, it was pretty amazing being with 3,000 women uh, on the front row there and worshipping, but I said yes in the correct order, and uh, God allowed me to be a part of that. And then they finally, and this is all happening over, you know, some of these conversations were over days, some of them within a one-hour Skype conversation. And then they finally got back to me and said, well, look, we'd like you, would you be open to going in one week prior to everybody else heading into the country so that you can do some networking and meet up with different leaders and do a little bit more strategic planning about what the next week will actually look like? And I said yes to that as well. So doing things in the correct order is absolutely important. And all it might take is a yes to go on from one thing to the next to the next. Now, footnote here, I'd never done any of that stuff before. But it's just saying yes to God and having the time, having the faith that he will actually do that. Okay, next point, number six. It's often about others. Joshua 4 and verses 4 to 7. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When across the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So often what we get to do and what we get to be part of, it might be about us. It will definitely be about others. 
because that's what God is all about. God is always about others. God sent Jesus for others. We're the others. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That's your very definition of others, if you ask me. For God so loved the world because he loved all the others that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. So there may be way more to your doing what you were doing compared to what you can actually see. You might be creating a legacy. You may be creating long-lasting fruit. And before I went on this trip to Peru, I had three things on my heart that I believe were from God that he placed on my heart that were going to be really important for me to see happen in that time in Peru. The first was that I absolutely wanted to minister to people that had been through all different types of abuse, and that was clearly going to be able to happen. Secondly, though, I wanted to be able to minister to those people who were going to minister to those people. So I wanted to equip other people so that they could help others. And then lastly, I was just there for a couple of weeks. I wanted to make sure that there was lasting legacy so that when I flew out, that the work that had begun would actually continue. So it very much is about others. And I want to encourage you, if there's things on your heart that God has placed there, and, and maybe you haven't got a lot of clarity about the who is this actually for and why am I actually doing it, then why don't you ask God? He's not going to be afraid. He's not going to be scared of that. Ask him, God, would you show me what this is all about? Give me some more insight. It'll encourage you. It'll inspire you. It might even help you be a little bit more focused and clear in those things that God might be placing on your heart. It's always great to know the why uh, behind what you are actually doing. If you don't know the why, continue anyway. But when you do know the why, that can be fantastic. Okay, on to point number seven then. Finish one thing before the next. Joshua chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. Can you imagine if the priests thought, been here long enough, getting hungry, lunchtime coming soon, I think I'm just going to pack up and let's go, guys. All of the Israelites needed to actually cross first before the priests had finished doing what they were doing. They needed to finish one thing before the next. So here's your encouragement. Don't give up too soon. You will know when the thing that God wants you to do has actually finished. If you're not sure, then keep on doing. I know God is very good at closing doors. He's very good at giving the red lights instead of the green lights. But in the absence of that, then just keep on going in the direction that God has directed you to. You will know... He's way more invested than we can ever be in the things that he's called us to actually do. So just keep on going until he's told you, stop, that's enough, it's finished, or until he leads you on to the next thing. Stick with the plan. Follow the instructions as he has given it to you. Okay, that's that point. Um, I'll just ask the creative team if you're not already on your way as I start to wrap up now. Please come. Uh, point number eight. It's not done until it's done kind of an obvious statement but it's I don't know about you but I've found that quite often in God some things are they're meant to be obvious but they're not always obvious to me perhaps because I'm a bit of a I don't know a slow learner I don't always grab things straight away so um, it's not done until it's done and as I said before you will know when it's done let's have a look at Joshua chapter 4 and verse 12 
the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle, in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. Crossing the river wasn't the goal. A lot of the times in our lives, the thing that we're doing, we're so fixated, and that's fine, uh, because generally we can only do one thing at a time. Um, now, I know you might be thinking, oh, yeah, but women can actually multitask. That's actually a bit of a fallacy. The human brain can only focus on doing one thing at a time. However, apparently women are quite gifted at alternating between things very, very quick so that it looks like they're doing multiple things at once. They're not. They're just alternating way quicker than, if you believe the average guy, way quicker than us guys are able to actually do. So I'm going to own up to that one and go, yeah, okay, my wife is much better at doing lots of things very, very quickly. I'm going to like... I'm the tortoise in the hair. I'm actually the, um, the tortoise. Just one thing at a time. Thanks very much. Don't rush me. And let me finish this one thing before I move on to the next. But crossing the river wasn't the goal. Not the end goal anyway. It was a goal, but it wasn't the end goal. Getting to the other side wasn't just the goal either. There was more to come. So we can actually go, well, that's fantastic. I've done that thing. Fantastic. All done. Unless God has told you it's over... Just keep on doing what he's placed before you. Let's pick up the story then, Joshua 4, verse 18. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Do make sure you do one thing before you move on to the next thing, as per the instructions. Remember, the river wasn't the goal. It was part of the instructions, but it had to get done before the next thing. Verse 9, we're almost there. Sorry, uh, point point number 9. It's not all up to you. It's not all up to you. You're a big part of it, otherwise God wouldn't be getting you to do it in the first place. Without you, it probably won't happen, whatever that thing actually is. But it's not all up to you in your human ability and in your anointed capabilities, as important as those things are. Let's have a look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face and fight the Israelites. Doing what you need to do in itself can defeat the enemies. Things can be accomplished just by you doing what you were doing. Be prepared then for the next step, but also expect God to move. And maybe God will do the next step. Be ready for it, but allow him to do it. And don't try and help him unless he needs you to. Okay, last point here. Point number 10, no more, no less. Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 to 5. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho unto your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Sound like pretty clear instructions? I love how God's doing this. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give out a a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, 
and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Go back to verse 2 there, it says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. But physically that had not yet taken place. But if you understand that God is timeless, he doesn't operate in time like we do, when he says something is done, from his perspective it actually already is done. We just haven't seen it happen yet. So God says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. We're looking at the before, the actuality of that happening. He then gives very instructions to the priests. So first of all, they're to march around the walls for six days and the priests are to carry their trumpets. But note, they're not told to blow the trumpets, but they are to carry them. There could be a whole bunch of reasons why that. I've, I've got a few ideas as well. But it's interesting that they were to be ready in everything that they needed to do, maybe get familiar with carrying those things around this very large city. So they had the things, but they weren't to blow them yet. Then on the seventh day, they were to then blow the trumpets. So what I see in there is don't try to help God out. Let him do what he wants you to do and let him do what he is going to do as well. Follow his instructions. No more, no less. And, you know, as I finished this message this morning, one of the simplest instructions that he ever gave to all of humanity was to say that if we would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came from heaven, and that he came so that whoever believed in him would receive the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and have him come as Lord and his Saviour, that is the simplest instruction he has ever given to any of us. And I want to unpack that and allow you this morning to respond to that instruction, to follow the instructions. The instructions are, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he came to die for you. Believe that you need a saviour, that you need someone to rescue you, to be able to wipe away all of your past, all of your wrongdoings. And that can happen because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And all you need to do is believe that and receive him into your heart and tell him in whatever way that you want to, whether it's just quietly or in your heart or in your mind, responding to him and saying, yes, Jesus, I want to respond to you. I want to help you in that. And one of the ways in which we do that here in Metro Church is that we'd love you to grab your mobile phone and uh, just text the word yes. It's your way of responding to Jesus. So if you've got your phone, you can do that. If you're online, you could do that. Maybe if you haven't got your phones with you today, you can do that when you get your phone soon. Just text the word yes through to this number, 0488 826 392. That's us. That's Metro Church. That's our phone number for our special what we call Yes Text service. So that's you saying yes to Jesus, but you're also letting us know that you've said yes to Jesus because what we will then do, we will send you a Bible verse every morning at 7 a.m. Perth time and we'll also send you a way in which you can pray about that particular Bible verse and we'll do that for 30 days free of charge. You can opt out anytime if you want to, but it's just our free gift to you. And after 30 days, there are mini-series that you can opt into. We just want to help you start to read the Bible, understand what God says about you, and help you learn how to pray because perhaps you don't know exactly how to pray. That's your way of saying yes to Jesus. There are many other ways, do whatever you want, but that's a gift that we would love to be able to do for you. So I'm going to pray for everybody right now um, in the building and online as well for this particular moment. 
Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the message. And thank you, Lord, for the greatest, simplest instruction you've ever given us, which is all we need to do is receive you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Saviour and invite you into our hearts. Father, I thank you. There are many of us that have already done that. And Lord, I pray for anybody in the building or online, maybe they're joining this service after we've live streamed. Lord, whatever time, whatever moment people get to this stage, Lord, I pray that you will be helping them. And if they're reaching out to you, Jesus, that you will fulfill what your word says. You will forgive them. You will give them eternal life. You will come into their life, into their heart, and they will be born again. It's as if they are a whole new creation. I thank you for that promise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, look, thank you for that. So great to um, have you. Thank you for receiving the word of God. And I know that you've received it because the Bible tells me that the word of God does not go forward without bearing fruit and without good seed. So I know that he's spoken to you as well. So thank you for that. (laughs) 